2 Timothy chapter 1. And this is not what I was prepared to preach. Let me ask you, what are you afraid of? Just think about that. In fact, you know what? I'm going to do one of those hokey things where I'm going to be like one of those preachers that's all gimmicky and stuff and say, turn to your neighbor and ask them, what are you afraid of? How many of y'all heard snakes? Okay. How many of y'all heard spiders? Okay. How many of y'all heard something about darkness or something like that? Like the dark? Anyone? How many of y'all heard falling out of a relationship with God? Or that my son will grow up and be a heroin addict or something? Probably didn't hear that in the, in the little fun, turn around, talk to your neighbor game. Why not? Because we don't come out with real fears that are real scary to us that keep us up at night. Right? Most of y'all probably don't lay awake at night fearing about snakes. Right? Anybody stay awake all night long and just like, I just keep closing my eyes and I keep seeing a python? Probably not. What we're really afraid of is the thing that keeps us awake at night. Which is a scary thought. Because oftentimes the things that keep us awake at night are oftentimes things of the temporal world. You know, oh, is, I wonder if this happened and man, if that didn't happen, then that's really going to bother me that, man, I hope they get their, their money turned in on time or this, that, and the other and blah, blah, blah. And a lot of times it's the things that don't matter. I say don't matter. In this world, yeah, we need it to function and maybe it is something like that. But what are the spiritual fears that you have. And I want to ask you this because some of y'all may or may not even realize that there is a difference between an actual spiritual fear that may be out there and a worldly fear like spiders or snakes or the dark. There's a difference. The spiritual fears are the things that are down in your soul that you don't necessarily have control over all the time. Those are the deep spiritual fears that you have. Will my son grow up and be that drug addict? You know, my my daughter, I'm fearful that she's going to marry a loser. I'm afraid that maybe one of them's going to fall in love with a bum that's not saved, that's far from Christ. And has everything else on his mind but the Lord. That, that could be, that's like a spiritual fear, right? I'm afraid of other stuff. But maybe there's some stuff that kind of crosses into both. I was talking to a group yesterday. And I didn't realize how fearful I was in my own life on both levels. You know, it's hard to go through life when you're afraid. Did you ever notice that? Actually, it's not real hard at all. You just run whenever there's pressure that comes at you. Oh, here's a little pressure. I'm a runner. Take off. Some of you fight it. 
And you fight the fear, and it's that fight or flight mechanism that I guess we all have. It's like, here comes something against me, I'm going to blow up, I'm going to take it on. And you fight when you're afraid, even when you don't necessarily have to. And you cause conflict in the lives of those around you when you don't necessarily have to. I've been there too. I've been a runner and a fighter. When we really fight the biblical way, we fight, we fight from a posture not up here throwing punches. We fight from here on our knees or on our face. That's the most productive way to fight. Now, oftentimes, people come to church on Sundays. Come into church and you hear a good sermon, right? A really good sermon if you're at First Baptist. <laughs> no. You're probably listening to other ones on Facebook. But you hear a good sermon and you're like, wow, that was, that was good. And you leave motivated to change. You leave motivated, even if it's for 20 minutes. Even if it's from here to the Mexican joint across the street. You feel motivated to, to let the Lord work in your life and move you. But there's a difference in being motivated and driven to do something. And in this epistle to 2 Timothy that, that Paul's writing to his boy, and on Wednesday nights we, we hit this not too long ago, probably a few months ago, and we touched this verse, but I didn't really hammer down on it. But this morning I want to. 2 Timothy 1, 6, and 7 right here, and then we're going to go on from there. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I'm going to read verses 13 and 14 here. Hold fast the pattern of sound words, which you have heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which is committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Paul is talking to Timothy about fear. Timothy's young, inexperienced, has a lot of fear in ministry, a lot of fear in life. Lots of stuff going on around him. And Paul says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Let's just pause right there. The fears that motivate you, that move you, and all that kind of stuff are not God-given unless it's just the fear of God. The fears that are probably keeping you awake at night are there as a result of a gap in your relationship with God the Father. There's a lack of faith at some point. There's this disconnect. And what I want us to do is I want you to leave knowing that you don't have to be afraid. Now, some fears in folks are crippling. There are people who have a fear of success. 
You know what the fear of success is called? It's actually called the Jonah complex. Where you are afraid of your own success and going out. When I was 17, 18 years old, I was ready to go to college. You want to know what I was going to go to college for? I was going to go to college at this expensive place out in Boston called Emerson University. There were multiple famous stand-up comedians that came out of there. This is pre-salvation. I was going to go to college so that I could go and be a stand-up comedian. They didn't have a major that said stand-up comedy. There was not a major. I was going to go into like mass communications and work a camera, which I hate that kind of stuff, don't I? I'm terrible at it. Trey knows. I was going to go and I was going to do that. And I was like, man, I'm going to be good. And I believed in myself. And then I got afraid. I got afraid of what might happen. I got afraid of the cost of tuition. I got afraid of the cost of what it's going to be like to live in Boston. I I knew I'd have the connections to get me into certain comedy clubs because that was a benefit of going there. A lot of the alumni could open the door for you. And I chickened out. I was afraid. I'll tell you another time I chickened out. I chickened out when I was coaching football a lot of times. I was a head football coach. And there's times during the game where the game is on the line. You look at it and you're like, man, do I make this call or it's my gut reaction. I want to go with it. But I've been wrong in the past before, but this time it feels right. Do we go for it on fourth down? Do we throw this trick play in right now? Do we go with the basic here? And so many times I was afraid to do something other than what I felt like I should have because I didn't want to face the criticism. You know what happened? We'd end up losing. And oftentimes I'd beat myself up over it. Why didn't I do it? I was afraid. At other points in my life, when it came to ministry, I was afraid to step in and to do or to apply to this church or to do that because I was like, they don't want me. They can't do that. Man, I'm not, I'm not qualified. I'm not suited. I'm not this. I'm not that. And I would talk myself out of it. Now, these are times that I was led by the Lord. Some of those times about, should I get in contact with that church and see about going there? And I'd say, no, nah, no, nah, I can't, can't do it. I'm afraid to. And I end up settling for something that God didn't want me to do. And you know what happens? You go through some growing times. He can still use you while you're somewhere that God didn't necessarily want you to begin with. But it's not as, it's not really the center of his will right there. There are going to be times in your life where you are feeling the fear. 
You know what? The Bible says the fear of man is a snare. You know what a snare is? Been watching the show alone lately. And these guys are trapped, they're not trapped, they're dropped off on these islands or whatever in survival situations and they've got to survive. And one of the first things they do is they make a snare. It's this little wire concoction that's over the ground and these cute little bunny rabbits go running by and get strangled up in the cable. Fear is something that will strangle you out and trap you. Fear. There are folks in here that are afraid to step out on faith and to get things done for His kingdom. Some of them are afraid of what other people will say. I can't say that. I can't do that. What's the preacher going to think? Don't worry about what I think. I'm an idiot. (laughs) Trust me. Judgment is not going to come from me. Well, what about uh, those people or that person or these people? Who cares? If the Lord is leading you to do something, you better follow. You better follow. It's better to be in the center of His will than at the edge of His will. It's better to follow through with it. And there's motivation for us to do that. And I want to make this about motivation and discipline. Because we can be motivated to get up and to go do something and lose that motivation. Ten minutes, twenty minutes, two days, five days, five months. We lose motivation. That motivation isn't there because that motivation is turned into guilt and failure. And you're not as motivated. The motivation is drained from within. Motivation, I pray, is at a high. Anytime you just read the Word and you're motivated. I pray that it's at a high. But what's the difference between motivation and discipline? Discipline, self-control, is what comes after the motivation. So let's look at what Timothy said here. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Self-control, that sound mind. Sound doctrine, some translations say. That is the discipline that is there. And we're going to work backwards. If that discipline is there and you are disciplined enough to follow through, the motivation is consistent because you will have success in whatever you were motivated to do. But when you allow the fear and the fear of failure and the fear of what others think and the fear of all the other stuff that you might be afraid of, then you know what happens? (sighs) That discipline starts falling apart. Back to square one, and you need to be remotivated. It becomes this cycle of motivation and failure, and motivation and failure, and motivation and failure. Why? Because there is no discipline. Well, what can keep you disciplined? Verses 13 and 14 
holding fast the pattern of sound words, which Paul was teaching them. In faith and love, which are in Christ. And keeping the good which was committed to them. To keep the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Now, do you work to keep the Holy Spirit? No, it's there. It's in you. It's a gift. It's a free gift. It keeps you constantly united to God the Father through Christ. Now, that's the discipline part. How many people would say, I would love to be more Christ-like each and every week of my life? Some of you don't care, and that's fine, right? The obvious answer is yes, I want to. I want to be more Christ-like. It starts with the discipline. How do we have the discipline? How do we maintain the discipline? We maintain that discipline of keeping what he says, keeping his word, keeping his instruction, keeping it near us, which means what? You got to read it. You got to be around it. You got to be around others that read it and believe it. It does you no good if you read it and you don't believe it. You're going to be a failure again and again and again and again. So we look into it. We keep the discipline and we hold on to that discipline because of what he also gives us, his love. It's easy to be disciplined when you know someone loves you. Anybody ever part of a team? Most of you. This is Oak Grove. Man, y'all come out competing from the womb. Like Jacob and Esau. Get back over here. I'm going to win. We love each other. When you love each other, you can take a criticism from someone. When you had a coach that you knew loved you and said, hey, when you're getting ready to bunt, you're going to move your back leg. I want you to put a little bend in your legs. All right? You got to do that. I need that to happen. Even if they got onto you a little more harshly later on after they showed you a couple times, they were like, hey, you have got to bend your leg and move your hips like I showed you. You've got to drop your hiney. All right? Even if they sound a little Short with you? A little upset? Does it mean they don't love you? No. But you know that they love you, so you do what they say and you're not offended by it. But what happens if a guy comes up to you, a woman comes up to you and they're coaching you up and they don't love you and you don't know that they love you and they come up and they're like, you are doing that all wrong. You have got to move your feet right. You've got to drop your backside. Now all of a sudden you're like, offended. When you know someone loves you and loves you unconditionally, you're not worried about messing up because you're not always worried about pleasing them. Why? Because you know even if you don't please them, they still love you and that correction is coming. Same thing with God. We don't have to be fearful of Him because if you are in Christ, He loves you and He's motivating you in such a way for you to be successful there. 
When you understand that, it's easier to listen and it's easier to follow through. And the discipline comes more naturally. So why are we so undisciplined in our spiritual lives? Because fear sets in. Lack of faith sets in. What is this one going to think? That one going to think? What are they going to think? What's he going to think? She going to think? Blah, 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 blah. How many people are afraid of being a failure? Be honest. Nobody wants to fail. And one of the biggest fears that everybody probably could have turned around and said to someone else is, I don't want to be a failure in whatever. Or maybe just period. One of my biggest fears is that I am going to be a failure in my spiritual life. And that fear motivates me sometimes, but other times it causes me to beat myself up. Man, where am I not successful? I look at my failures and I start bringing them up. And those are the things that play in my mind at three o'clock in the morning when I'm laying there awake. What can I do? And then I feel like a failure. So guess what I do the next day? I don't want to tackle it because why? I'm a runner. Anyone else in the same boat? Yeah. And when that happens, we got to remember something that he has not given us a spirit of fear. So you know what we can do? We can wake up at three o'clock in the morning, think those thoughts and be like, Lord, you have this. You love me and you love me unconditionally. You're going to love me through it no matter how it turns out, whether I stand and fight, whether I make the correction, even though it may be hard. You are right there with me. And since you're with me, I don't have to be afraid of anything because of your love for me. And what else is that other word next to love and self-control or self-discipline or sound doctrine? Power. And this is the last thing that we're going to look at right here. You don't have to be afraid because of his, because you're going to be disciplined. You don't have to be afraid because you know you're loved. And you don't have to be afraid because you know that he is going to bring power. You know when God promises power to his people? When they're doing his work for his purpose in his kingdom. Look at Samson. Holy Spirit comes on. What do you do? Goes Hulk mode and kills like 500 dudes with the bone of a donkey. Look at David. What's David do? Spirit comes on him, writes scripture, starts doing all sorts of other stuff, miraculous feats. Look at these other guys. When the Spirit comes, even Saul had the Spirit come on him. Oh, wicked old Saul, right? Even he had the Spirit come down. And when the Spirit comes down on folks, they are ready to make war against that which God hates. They made war against it. If you are a born-again believer... I want you to think about this. 
Where is God's Spirit? It is in you. It is in you. You are that superman. You are that superwoman. You are ready to tackle the forces of evil because of the power that He has granted you as the promise of His Spirit being in you. Just like it was in Samson, just like it was in David, just like it was in the prophets, just like it was in Jesus. Because the Bible says the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that is alive in you. That's what Paul says in Romans 8. And when you believe that, when you not just pay it lip service, yeah, I heard the preacher say that before, but I'm unchanged and my life is unchanged. Because you're not motivated by the Spirit within you. That Spirit within you will raise you up for any challenge that you're going to face. Whether it's the sin that's been ensnaring you for decades, the Holy Spirit within you is going to split that off your ankle, or from off your neck. Whatever you've struggled with, God is going to see you through, and He's going to be right there with you in His magnificent love because He loves you, and He's given you the sound mind and the sound doctrine and the discipline to overcome it. Nobody gets motivated to say, hey, I'm going to be a pro. How many kids, how many of y'all grew up wanting to be a pro athlete? I know every guy that played sports probably going to raise their hand. Man, I want to be a pro boxer, a pro fisherman, a pro baseball player, football player, basketball player, golfer, pro banjo player, whatever it was. Whatever it was, you wanted to be great at it. But here's where the rubber meets the road. You weren't disciplined enough to do it. You want to be disciplined and walk in the power and the love and the discipline? Get in His Word. Move forward from there. And you will conquer all of the fears that are out there that are trying to weigh you down, that are trying to sink you from becoming what God wants to use you for. And you've just got to realize, Lord, You have me. And no matter what else happens, I do not care. That's the spirit that Stephen had as they stoned him. That's the spirit that countless martyrs had as they were ready to kill them. The apostles, they had that spirit because they said, no matter what you do to me, I don't care. I will not renounce my Savior. I'm going to own Him till my last breath, till the second I die. Think of Jesus walking in that same kind of power, fighting on his knees in the Garden of Gethsemane, saying, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Knowing that in hours he would be nailed to a cross, struggling to breathe, dying of congestive heart failure and drowning with the fluid buildup in his lungs looking out at the people saying, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Having that kind of love, that kind of power to go through what he did for the sake of not just God the Father, but for you and me. 
And for anyone who would believe that Jesus was Lord, who was dead on that cross, who was buried in the grave, and three days later walked out victorious, victorious, y'all, victorious over your fears, your sin, your doubt, your shame, your shortcomings, your failures. And you could find life and hope and love and power in Him. That's what the Spirit in you gives. And if you believe that, then His Spirit resides in you because it's a supernatural thing for a guy to be dead for three days and to walk out of that grave. And if you believe that in your heart of hearts and you know that to be true, then you are a born-again believer and that power resides in you, but you've got to be disciplined enough to let yourself operate in the Spirit. Y'all, Don't let the Spirit calling you internally to take on whatever He is motivating you to do. Don't let it pass by. Because when you do, you do not know if you will ever get another opportunity to do what He wants you to do right now. Take it from a guy who knows.